0: Oh, it's cracking lovely people. Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. Oh, it's been a while. Welcome along. If you're a new listener, this show is all about nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences. My name's Matt. I'm a nutritionist by trade and I get into cool conversations with people. I do solo shows. And before we start, this show is brought to you by 33 Fuel 33 fuel produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products we're talking chia seed energy gels we're talking whole food bars protein bars energy bars greens powders the guys over there are fantastic i use them for some of my bimbles. if you look back in some of the shows i actually talk about their products a couple of the running shows that i uh, carried out and um, documented in there so have a little bit of a look and you can get 10 percent off with matt 10 at checkout all you need to know is in the show notes right done okay so this episode we welcome back james hudson he is a registered sports nutritionist lovely people performance nutritionist and i've had him on the show before so i'll link to episode one no missing about james mate welcome back and let the new listeners know who you are and what you do
1: fantastic thanks Matt. Uh, Yeah, James Hudson. I recently set up my own business in personal nutrition consultations built around improving sports performance. I also am ISAC accredited, so I do body composition analysis via the ISAC skinfold method. And it's good to combine those two things because people then, if you're doing a nutrition intervention, chances are you're working towards a goal whether that's body composition or performance and then doing a body composition measure means you can track that pretty accurately so that's what i've been doing recently and um, i've also been discussing and doing presentations with triathletes with crossfitters and one of the things i was touching on in january was goal setting
0: man that's awesome it's all about i think you know testing and not guessing is important and when someone employs you you're going through their nutrition digging into their food environment a lot of them are looking for change because they might want to remove a bit of dead weight for one of a better term if they're doing endurance exercise or you know they're doing lots of different movements around CrossFit and they want to get a little bit lean or they want to gain a bit of muscle. Um, People obviously know how they feel in their clothes how they look they take photos and things but you know, the, the kind of skinfold calipers, the body fat measurement, it just takes it to a bit of a different level, doesn't it? And I think people are interested in this kind of thing. So maybe before we get into the kind of goal setting, um, just just take the listeners through a little bit about um, how you measure people. And then obviously um, when, when you think about measuring them again. So is it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? What's the kind of crack there?
1: Yeah, sure. So a lot of people tend to monitor their body composition by using scales and they sort of get on almost daily and think right there's loads going on here what's what's happening so you can do that and what i try and preach with my clients is if you're going to use your body weight as a proxy for your body composition then it's worth taking a few readings a week maybe that's two or three or even one but then just plugging it into some sort of app where you get a graph because what you do then is you can zoom out of that graph and you don't get the day-to-day noise. So all those moments where you get on the scale the following day and you think, oh no, I've um, I've gained one or two kilograms of fat. Well, obviously you haven't done that because you haven't had the amount of time required to put on that much fat mass. But what ha- would have happened is you may have gained gut weight, you may have lost mu- muscle glycogen or gained muscle glycogen, you may be in a more hydrated state. So your scale is telling you the exactly right thing it's telling you your body weight it's not telling you your body composition so if you're accurately tracking your body weight and you can put it into a graph it takes out that noise so you can see the overall trend and it's the trend is what's important however when you want to get more into it and do a body composition measure let's say you think things are happening but your body weight has been staying the same so there's no trend up or down if you're taking a body composition reading and you're finding out that your fat mass is coming down then ultimately you're losing fat mass and gaining muscle mass because your overall body weight is staying the same. The way I do that is I use an ISAC method of skinfold caliper testing, so I have these metal calipers, they look a little bit um, scary, but I promise my clients that they're not, (laughs) and um, the way I do it is we do eight sites, so there's one on the tricep, one on the bicep, so there's two on the arms, and there's one on the mid-back just a subscapular There's then three around what we call the danger section for most people, which is that midsection. So there's one on the top of the hip, and there's one on the supraspinale, and one near the belly button. I have another on the quad, and one on the calf. I then created a spreadsheet where I put all those readings in, and we can generate a body fat percentage. And the way I do that, we use two regression equations. So I use the Jackson Pollock method and the UHAS method and I combine those to take an average so I get a fairly accurate reading of a body fat percentage. And even though I say that as soon as we put the raw data into a body fat measure, it's actually less accurate, that's still the number people want because actually saying, okay, my sum of skin folds is 100 versus my body fat percentage is about 16 or 15, people have a more knowledge as to what that is. So even though I try and preach us using the raw data itself, Uh, We still do provide a body fat percentage. Mm.
0: Yeah, because people get hung up on those kind of things, and they might have a uh, a goal in mind. And if you're listening to this, you know you may have thought about, oh, you know, what does thirty percent, twenty percent, ten percent, um, kind of mean, really? And uh, obviously, it's different. You know, male to female. You take a someone who's twenty percent and male compared to a female who's twenty percent um there's 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 a lot of differences there and would you say because obviously you're you're doing a lot of these measurements in your clients obviously with the ISAC accreditation you've had to go and um, do quite a few days of training you know you're constantly keeping up on how to analyze things and practicing your craft in that sense maybe just let the listeners know a little bit about um you know the differences in gender in terms of body fat percentage and how someone can look because if you're taking one of your clients and and they're a female CrossFit athlete and they're around 20% body fat you know they're going to be in I would guess pretty damn good shape whereas um you know with with a man um you you, you know is it fair to say that uh, around 20% um you know they they may not look as lean and, and and as strong um as 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 a female at that at that kind of level or um, I've kind of waffled a bit, but I think my question is, you know, a bit of context behind percentages roughly for, for listeners and maybe, you know, what 30 to 20 to 10 is kind of uh, all about really, mate.
1: Yeah, sure. So it's very important that actually you tap into the why and get understanding why the client is trying to manipulate their body composition, whether that is they've got a holiday coming up, whether they want to be healthier and carry less fat mass around their sort of internal organs, especially that midsection, or whether they want to reduce fat mass for performance. And if we're talking CrossFit, or if we're talking running, triathlon, all these body weight sports where you're propelling your own body weight, having less fat mass is gonna make improve your performance, simply because you're gonna be more powerful and you're gonna have less weight. Um, In terms of differences in percentages, yeah, there is a huge difference between men and females, sort of males and females, and that's simply because females are gonna have a hormonal disposition which is going to make them more likely to carry more fat mass and that's simply because they are programmed to give birth so how they need more fat mass um, to be able to stay and sustain two people basically or the um, growing fetus as well as themselves during childbirth and um, also the disposition not disposition the, um, the location on fat mass is different between males and females. Mm. And actually, it's not always the same between males. Um, People hold fat mass in completely different places. You'll see some people who will just not really hold anything in the arms and hold it all around that midsection, and then have extremely lean legs, whereas you see others who it's fairly well, either doing the ISAC method, you get all that information as well, which is quite important. Mm. But in terms of percentages, if you're thinking, you know, you want to be competing, let's say at CrossFit, or something like that, in that sort of 10 to 15% ballpark is, is a pretty good place. I think as you get leaner and leaner, and let's try and put this in perspective, the differences between a lean athlete and someone who's going to be getting on stage in a body composite in a bodybuilding composition, might be the difference of sort of a, a 8% um, athlete going on stage, you might be sort of 5% six percent around there so there's quite a small margin but is that small margin going to be beneficial for the crossfit athlete and is it worth them actually getting that much leaner chances are probably not because actually you're only going to be losing maybe 300 grams of fat mass or something like that but putting your body through that um the difficulty of a prolonged caloric deficit to get to that stage the compromising um
0: effect on your training is going to be quite tough so you'd really need to take all these things into um, account before trying to do a body composition manipulation. Mm. And I think a few a few good examples, lovely people, if you're listening. Um, and, you know, you may not follow uh, fighting and, and uh, mixed martial arts or things like that, but some of the people on there, it's, it's really interesting to look at how they start um, in a camp. And obviously you can look at things on YouTube or you can look at photos on social media and stuff and then see some of these people going through um you know four eight twelve sixteen weeks and obviously when they emerge ready for their weigh-ins they're in a complete different position um so that's really interesting and yeah similar to what james was saying if you're into your crossfit um looking at some of these elite athletes understanding their body composition but then people are built differently you know you could argue in that sport um i'm not i'm not into it as much as james is but you know someone who's male maybe under six foot who can move quite quickly uh quite stocky that might be quite a um you know a handy kind of body composition um to to perform really well but yeah it is interesting and mate it's good because we haven't actually addressed body composition uh measurements and different kind of systems and things like that but it all has to come back to the context doesn't it like you were saying you know why does someone want to do it you have the tool as a practitioner. It's a good kind of post in the sand. So if you're working with someone and you're organizing their food environment, you're speaking to them about habits, um you're reviewing their behaviours and things you know why not be more accurate around um their their body composition too look at the kind of level of muscle look at the level of fat and then it lets your clients see actually if they're changing it isn't always necessarily a uh, uh, no weight loss it could like you said be a, a loss in in uh, fat but also a gain in muscle so now that's really cool i think we can circle back to that but um it would be really good to to dig a bit more more into um what what you've been uh, talking to your clients about and some of the learnings that you've put together around goal setting and obviously it's a perfect time because it's the first kind of quarter of the year um what's what's the uh yeah what's the kind of uh, progress on on that side with you and how are you picking this apart with with your clients
1: Well, I find it's with goal setting it's more of a process and actually it's quite quite an art and it's quite a skill to go through this process of goal setting. I think a lot of people have goals but actually then haven't put a huge amount of thought into really refining that goal. And then when a lot of us don't achieve our goal, it's actually not simply because we haven't put the effort in. It's that we haven't planned the goal well enough, so we haven't made it easy for ourselves to achieve that goal. Um, so what I do with my clients, I really break it down and we really get, get right into it. Um, first of all, look at the difference between a result goal and a process goal, um, which are two things that are very different because the process are
0: everyday things you have to do to better achieve your results goal. And then I also look at um, – let we try and pin down, pin down a what's called a B-hag. Have you, you heard of that concept, Matt? Say that again, mate.
1: <laughs> Have you heard of the, the B-hag?
0: No, no, talk us through it. Sorry, your audio went a little bit there.
1: <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, so it's a concept which is a, called a big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, it's something that's basically a very long-term goal that you're hugely excited by. And what I explain to my clients is there's six things you need to be doing um, within this space of a BHAG to make it a goal and not a desire. So first of all, you have to, oh, and these six things, it's not like a smart, even though they're very important. And when you talk to people about goal setting, it's usually, okay, I know about goal setting, it's that smart acronym. And that is important for things like process goals, short-term goals, and medium-term goals however for this overarching umbrella of this huge big hairy audacious goal you have to really um, refine so the first thing is uh, clarification and yeah that's fairly similar to um, specificity but having it's this sort more than that you need to be so clear in your head as to what the outcome of this goal is you need to be able to see it you need to be able to visualize it and I'll put that in perspective, Um, I'll give you a personal example. When I was training for the Nice Ironman two years ago, I signed up to that goal and I'd been to Nice before, so I knew what it was like to walk down the Rue des Anglais and I could imagine myself completing that event, I knew how it felt, I could sort of imagine myself running and feeling the wind going through my hair and the sea on the right hand side. Uh, It was that sort of emotional almost, that it it was so clear. So then I knew what I would, the reason I'm getting up in the morning when you're going for those morning runs or those evening swims or something like that, which they're difficult to keep the momentum going, because you've got something in your head that's so tangible, that's so emotional and vivid. It's just okay. I know when I'm going to achieve it. I know sort of what I want to be doing there. So it's really important I to have completely complete clarification on it. But the second thing with a big hairy audacious goal is it's the first thing really is b it's that b you've got to it's got to be big and the reason for that is because if you're setting a smaller goal then the chances are you'll lose motivation because actually you sort of feel like oh it's going to take care of itself you don't actually need to go to more effort of planning and reviewing the process and evaluating how you're getting there so it has to be huge it has to make you want to get out of bed and go and to follow this process the third point we need to be thinking about when setting a big hairy audacious goal is it needs to be aligned, aligned to your highest values and that's quite a difficult one because not all of us know what our highest values actually are so it takes a bit of uh, self reflection to really work that out but a lot of the time we don't always or, or aren't the right way towards our goal simply because the heart, our core, our goal isn't something we really want to do. So, making sure, I'll give an example of this as well. Um, I've been trying to, I was at my old company, I was trying to sort of progress and go up the ranks, as it were. Um, but it didn't really quite sit right with myself because my uh, deepest values are things like sustainability and preaching lifelong nutritional habits instead of more quick fixes. So, energy venture that's why I've now started up my own company because it's fully aligned to my deepest values and that's why I'm sort of progressing a little bit better as it were and um, so you've really got to have that that tuned in the fourth thing to make your goal a goal and not a desire is you have to evaluate the cost of that goal so what that means is like the is the benefit and the uh, not the benefit it's the detriment versus the reward so yes, achieving this goal is going to be awesome, but actually what do you have to go through, what do, you, what do you have to put other people through, or how much toll is it going to cost on your sort of wallet, all those things that are the cost of the goal, you actually have to think about, because otherwise you're going to get halfway through and think, you know what, well, this is, it's costing me too much of my time, too much of my family's time, etc. And when I think about this one, I always think about Olympic athletes, and I think about Um, their interviews post winning some event or getting a medal at the Olympics and they always think I just want to thank so many people for putting up with me as we're going through all these things and giving me so much time and they want to thank all these people because of that huge cost of them achieving such an amazing goal Um, so it's good on that one to really have a strong support system and know who the people are who are going to be cheering you on and actually helping you achieve your goal the fifth point is you have to write your big hairy audacious goal down this seems like a really strange one it seems like quite a small thing to do but the rationale behind it is because it makes it tangible if you have the goal in your head yeah it's there okay you might be working towards it however it's a thought it's something that's that's not fully tangible so if you can write your goal down whack it on the fridge then you're gonna be seeing it every day and it's a real tangible thing that you think, okay, that's what I'm doing, I can see it there instead of just visualize it in your head. And when you're doing that, you have to link back to that first point of making your goal so clear. So really get into it, put some emotional writing into it and know exactly what you're trying to do. The sixth point I discuss is reviewing your goal daily. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. And a lot of people lose motivation because they don't check in with their goal. Um, I say an example of this is Richard Froning. Um, when he was winning those four back-to-back um, CrossFit Games Championships or events, he, well, in, his, in his documentary, he said he got up every day that he was training and said, what can I do to become the best or the fittest CrossFit athlete, athlete in the world? And that's an example of him reviewing his goal every day, because then that's going to challenge himself to follow the process and follow it to the best of his ability so that he can actually achieve it. And reviewing it isn't just thinking about it, it's actually checking in with what you're doing. So, okay, is the am I following the right process? And I'll discuss the process goals in a second, but it's constantly thinking, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right optimal thing to uh, help me reach that big hairy audacious goal. So that's a sort of um, bit of an umbrella over a big hairy audacious goal and how you actually set it and then what I try and discuss Matt is I go through with my clients and we talk about short-term, medium-term and process goals. Mm
0: -hmm. Mate, that's actually Megan. I think over the last few minutes, people listening, hopefully you've cleaved some real nuggets from that and uh, especially reflecting on my situation with some of the things i've done in the past um yeah mate it's checking in on on each of those six aspects and um you know seeing seeing what works for you and obviously kind of nailing something to a post and giving it a go or reflecting on actually where are the holes what can i work on where's my support system um yeah that's really interesting mate and would you say at the moment a lot of people you see it's it's around uh, performance goals athletically or or do you work with some people around you know, just clearing up their nutrition, getting them more mindful, more comfortable with their eating pattern, or um, are you helping a lot of people at the moment around body composition change? You know, what what are you digging into and, and what are some of the goals you're setting with some of your clients?
1: Um, to be completely honest, it's quite a mix. There there are always aesthetic-based goals because people want to look better, and because it's not just looking better. When you look better, you do tend to feel a bit better. So there are those... Um, body composition goals and we don't tend to use weight the whole time it's normally a sum of skin folds or a body fat percentage or more than that it's just how you're going to look and feel in front of the mirror it doesn't actually have to be particularly objective but just using the data objectively is going to help you track towards that subjective goal then things like performance so actually what we're going to do with your body composition is going to affect how you're going to be performing so linking in things like one rms things like um, 20 minute uh, threshold numbers, things like that, is gonna be key. But also, you're right, and just making people feel better. A lot of the time, people with the term sort of energy levels is thrown about a huge amount. Just being low energy, not just during training, but actually at work. Mm. So when you tap in and discuss people's nutrition, you find, well, yeah, it's no surprise you're low energy. If we can make a few tweaks here, you're going to be feeling a lot better and you're going to be a little bit more mindful at work, you're going to be a bit more with it. More than that, if you're fully loaded and fully fueled during your sessions, then the benefit of that is, is you're going to get more out of those sessions. You're getting more out of those sessions, you're going to be um, recovering and improving your performance quicker. So the way I think about nutrition is it's like a multiplying effect on the training that you're doing. So if you're training hard, but not really fueling it right. You're sort of just getting that training effect. However, if you're training hard and you've got your nutrition right, you're sort of three xing or maybe four xing all that training that you're doing. Because food has an effect not just on the training, but also on recovery, on sleep, and that's really when that you're going to be recovering. It's going to have a huge
0: impact. Mate, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I think. You know maybe this next stage of the conversation if uh, someone's listening to this they're fully loaded they've got their goal uh, they're they're employing a lot of self-talk they're motivated um look you know you obviously won't say this but lovely people james is a beast at crossfit training hard um, and if you go over to his Instagram as well, you can see he's constantly on it in terms of uh, meal preparation and training. And mate, you put a lot of, of time into this. So maybe you could give some of the listeners uh, a little bit of an insight into some of the tools you actually use. So obviously, if, if uh, you've sat down with someone, you've gone through things, you've had a conversation, the person's motivated. Um, obviously, there's so many things out there but what have you found works in terms of tracking things around food, tracking things around training, uh, decent little hacks that you think might help people, um, yeah, just cut through all the noise or just even like record little bits of data. Um, I know you're into that kind of thing, so it'd be cool. You don't have to give away all your secrets, Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's that next step, isn't it? What are some of the tools practically that people can use?
1: Awesome, yeah, let's get into it. There's Let's start, first of all, with my... I'll explain my big, hairy, audacious goal because then it gives it a bit of context. Um, In the open, which is uh, something to do with CrossFit, every year there's an open workout where everyone that does CrossFit can apply and do the same set of workouts, and you then sort of get ranked as to where you are in the world and the UK um, for your age, gender, etc. So I'm using that as my... Um, ballpark number to try and improve. Um, My big, hairy, audacious goal is for the next Open, which is in October, to become top 150 in the UK in CrossFit for my age, sort of, gender. Um, I was 270th last year, so I've got a fair amount of work to do, but that's my big, hairy, audacious goal, and I can see myself doing it. I've done all those six points so if, if you're in the same boat and you, you're motivated, okay, what are the next steps? That's what Matt's asking, really. So the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna break that goal down a little bit and set a few smaller and medium-term things. So the way I'm doing that for myself is I've looked into a few competitions. Um, I've qualified for Battle of Britain and I'm gonna hope to gain uh, competition experience during that and actually doing things like competitions, it's gonna act as a motivator because it gives me something to aim for that's not uh, as far away as October. So I've got something in April coming up, which means I can tailor my training a little bit towards that and I've got something that's a little bit more, uh, that's a little bit sooner to really drive for and and focus on. And then also I'll be able to reflect on how I did in that and uh, make more tweaks so I'll be able to constantly evaluate the process and refine so that I know I'm going to be achieving my big audacious goal. So having those short and medium-term things booked in, so let's say you're booking on to doing a marathon in April, you might want to do a half marathon as your short-term goal, or you might want to just go out and do a run that's, I don't know, um, 20 miles, and that's your goal is trying to get to that distance. Um, Something I found that has been really important for me um, in a way of a sort of personal progression is to find a mentor, because although you're doing all this introspective work on how you're personally improving and you're looking at what things you need to be doing having someone outside of that who is an expert in their field so what i've been doing is looking for i've been working with um, the owner of crossfit st albans who's saying actually okay you're currently working on hypertrophy stuff but realistically you're strong enough and actually you need to be putting more of your energy into building things like gymnastics and building up your olympic weightlifting so having someone external to help critique and uh, help move you in the right direction has been hugely important. In terms of tracking, what I like to do, and this is not really discussing food much, but I'll get into that, in terms of tracking performance, um, it's always good to track numbers a little bit. So things like CrossFit, having a few of those hero workouts where you know your numbers, and you know, okay, I'm gonna try this again next month, and. If I'm following my process right, that should be coming down. Or things like unbroken chin-ups or 1RMs, for example. So having a 1RM clean or a 1RM clean and jerk. I'm At the moment, I'm trying to do lots of Olympic lifting stuff. And in my program, I'm doing several sessions of that a week. So that's my process. But actually to know that I'm improving and what's going to motivate me is when I feel like I'm improving. So being able to tick those numbers off it's gonna be quite motivating for me, and it's gonna mean I can reassess and put new goals, new shorter-term goals in, so that I know I'm improving. In terms of diet, I don't try and overcomplicate. What I do is I focus on the basics, and this is what I think most people should be doing, but actually most people go straight to the top end of the triangle, and they think, right, um, creatine, let's think uh, supplements, beta alanine, protein shakes, whereas realistically, you wanna be thinking, firstly, have I got my caloric intake right? have I got my protein coming in periodically throughout the day, am I getting enough protein because that's what's going to be helping me recover my um, sort of torn muscles and then am I having enough carbohydrate to fuel those sessions, a lot of the time I'm training twice daily so having to do quite an aggressive fueling and refueling is going to be important so that I can get the most out of both of those sessions and then that sort of very very short amount of nutrition but actually something i find is hugely helpful is getting enough sleep mm. and this is something that a lot of people aren't doing simply because we're stressed out from work we're training so hard we're quite wired in the evening and then we're it's finding it difficult to sleep but making that a priority and trying i'm trying to personally get eight to eight and a half which most people okay it's like sort of seven six even mm. but thinking okay well I'm training a lot more than the average person, so realistically, I need a lot more time to recover. So making that a huge, um, a huge part of my, uh, huge part of my training really is is setting an alarm, and I've set my uh, my Apple alarm to go off at a quarter of to ten, saying it's time to go to bed, mate. Mm. So you've got to really make a make a go at that. Then on those sleep things, there's a few little tips I'd like to give. So I try and reduce overhead lighting because we often struggle to get off to sleep because we're so wired, because we've been watching TV up until we go to bed. And things like TV, yes, we've got the blue light, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to calm our brain down. We're trying to program it so that it knows we've got sleep coming. So if we can not watch a program,
0: which is actually, if we think about it in our head, we think, well, I've seen this program before, I know
1: what's going on. i don't have to follow the plot that much. It's not that stimulating. However, You've got light, so your eyes are telling your brain you've got to interpret uh, movement. You've got sound, so your ears are telling your brain, okay, we've got to interpret what we're listening to here. And then you've also got sort of quite explosive noise, um, so you're trying to capture that as well as the plot. So there's actually, it's a hugely stimulating thing to be doing to your brain before you're trying to say, okay, let's slow down now. So firstly, reduce overhead lighting, so using things like candles, because actually overhead lighting is very stimulating on the brain as well, and it's going to help set our circadian clock a little bit. But two, just try not to have too much screen time before bed, because that's going to really calm the brain. And I find I do sleep pretty well, <laughs> um, whether that's the amount of uh, load on training I'm doing, or because of these sleep hygiene habits, or a bit of both. But doing those things is means like I feel like I can improve as well as i can and i can get the most out of the training i'm
0: putting in i mean, that's exactly why i got you on the show like in my mind you're one of the most exciting motivated uh you know performance-based nutrition practitioners out there and again lovely people hopefully you've cleaved things from that so in summary james looks at obviously setting his his big hairy audacious goal looks at uh, a short-term kind of goal medium-term goal in there from a performance perspective maybe a workout or maybe a competition um thinks a little bit about the basics around nutrition really simple but again it's, it's something that's uh, lacking in a lot of people um and then the sleep side of things and mate just setting an alarm to tell yourself to go to bed again very simple but extremely effective and as you know to be able to continue to do some of these brick days you know these two sessions a day the the sleep is absolutely paramount like you said you could wash so many supplements and 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 so many salads down the system but if you're not sleeping and recovering both physically and mentally um, you know, you're you're not going to be able to continue to turn up well motivated and up for the training. So, um, mate, that's really good, and I think we just expanded that conversation on goal setting haven't we because like you said people are aware of the smart side of things um, there's a lot of noise out there on social media and things like that too around goals and get up be the best you can be but i love the kind of podcast longer form format and just digging into some of these things and uh, having you on and just getting you kind of picking apart the way you look at things and how you set up things for clients so um mate no really really appreciate it i think to finish them uh just again if 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 you're new to james and what he's doing um mate, let people know where they can follow you how they can get in touch and um you offer a mobile service as well don't you so you will you'll travel if people are listening in the kind of london and greater area as that connects
1: yeah that's very true um so if you're london based then the body composition analysis will be available however if you're more interested in nutrition then check my website out which is www.nutritionforenergy.co.uk. Um, I'm more active on social media than I am on Twitter, so I'll give you sorry on Instagram than I am on Twitter. So my Instagram handle is nutrition for energy. Um, and yeah, I'll be more than keen to discuss nutrition with people. But um, as you'll have gaged from my chat here with Matt, it's it's far more than nutrition for me. It's um it's the whole. The holistic approach, I suppose, although I um, find that's a little bit cliche saying that, mm. but it really is, it's everything you look at, it's trying to pin down exactly where you're going, so then we can put the right steps in place, and all those things I spoke about there, giving personal examples, that's the process that I'm taking, so we try and discuss the process with most people, and actually going in too hot a lot of the times is, is the wrong move, you need to think, well, what are we doing at the moment, let's change one or two tweaks to your diet. And we'll absolutely nail that habit. We'll come back in about six weeks, and then we can continue to make two tweaks. Two little short nutritional habits that are going to give you more energy, give you more range of food in your diet, make you feel better during training. And uh, tapping into that side of it in a sort of process-driven approach, then suddenly the results that you want will take care of themselves if you're just concentrating on that process.
0: Mm. Mate, you're so right. And I think, again, lovely people, this conversation gives you an insight into what a nutritionist actually does. And, you know, go out there and look at resources. You know, James is someone that puts up recipes. He's taking photos of what he eats. He shows you the calorie content. All that's really handy. But again, you can get entrenched in looking at what other people are doing and then you're weighing up. Oh, you know, is it worth purchasing um a coach or uh a session and, and getting a professional's point of view and I think on the level that Jane's works and things like that, especially on the body composition analysis too, um, you know, if if you're in that place and you're on the fence, I really think it is worth investing because you can just go around and around and around on social media, buy ebooks, buy recipe books, download the latest cut guide, the latest, you know, CrossFit Prep 101. But really You just need a human being to sit you down see where you are um, and support you. And and, uh, I know I'm a bit biased because, you know, for a day job, I, I do one to one work as well. But I think... You know that's that's the kind of value in our service and as the nutrition industry grows and the remote work and things online i'm sure so many of you listen to people uh podcasts and and take information on the go and you're thinking you know what does a nutritionist even do it, it, it is about that personal approach getting to know um, you getting to know what you want and and giving our professional opinions on, um, you know what you think you need to do or sorry what we think you need you to do to move forward. So um, mate absolutely fantastic people have got i've got about four pages of notes i'm gonna have to put this into a show notes um a little bit later but um yeah really really good to have you on dude and as always if if anyone has any questions um about what we've gone through on the show just reach out my email address will be in there if you've got any questions for james again just reach out and if you're hungry definitely don't follow him on instagram because he's always putting up his food and it's uh yeah it's making me a little bit jealous as well so um dude um i'm sure you've got to go and eat a load of beetroot and go off and do some uh you know your fifth workout of the day but i really appreciate your time and um you know hopefully someone listening to this as as, or, or hopefully many people listening to this have found it a really really useful tool
1: awesome yeah thanks for the opportunity to chat matt
0: good mate okay and uh, you heard it here, you heard it here first lovely people james becomes you know the the crossfit champion in a couple of years i've had him on my podcast a few times so you know that'll uh, that'll be something that i can set in stone and i can and i can have my claim to fame but anyway um as always thanks for listening to the show go and check out the performance sports nutrition based products of 33 fuel follow james and have a healthy week lovely people